Hi, and welcome to The Full Bloom Project, a body-positive parenting podcast dedicated to promoting emotional wellness in our children and health at every size for the whole family. Each week, we speak with extraordinary experts and distill everything from scholarly research to self-help books into accessible and digestible daily parenting practices. We're your hosts, Leslie Block and Zoe Bisbing, both New York City-based adolescent eating disorder psychotherapists and mothers of two, here to help you help your children fully bloom. A quick reminder before we get started that this podcast is for general informational and education purposes only and is not intended for and shouldn't replace advice from a medical or mental health professional. Welcome back to the Full Bloom Podcast, episode number 41. Last season, in episode number seven, we asked you all to think about how do you really feel about fat? We discussed fat phobia, how parents can develop awareness of their own unconscious biases, and ways to support children who experience teasing or bullying because of their weight. This week, we are diving deeper into a more nuanced question. What does the research say about what actually happens when parents talk to kids about bodies and weight, either yours or theirs or others? And what are the best practices we need to keep in mind? Joining us to help with answers is Ellen Pudney. She's a PhD candidate and graduate assistant for the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity, who works as a member of the Weight Bias and Stigma team to draw attention to weight bias and its consequences. And before we get started, how do you feel about this word obesity? I hate saying that word. I think it's a really charged word. I know a lot of people in kind of body positive space use kind of air quotes, quote unquote, obesity, because there's a lot of conversation about whether or not it, the word itself has become stigmatizing and has kind of been hijacked by weight biased interventions and intentions and ends with not really helping but harming that word itself. So I'm with you. I've, when I see the word, and it's interesting that the Red Center has, has kept it on um, their name, although it used to be, I believe, the Yale Center. So they changed their name, but they didn't take that out. But they are really, really working a lot on weight bias and stigma. So maybe we'll see a change one day. I don't know. I hope so, because they're doing a lot of amazing work. But yeah, this word, it's just, I don't like saying it because it does. It's pathologizing something that we're actually trying to shine a light on here on the podcast even. But okay, maybe we'll have another episode about that at another point in time. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to this episode and we'll just earmark that for a whole other one, which I think will make an amazing podcast. So we hope you listen to that one when we record it. But today, let's go talk to Ellen. Ellen, welcome to the Full Bloom Podcast. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me. We're really thrilled you're here with us today and would love to start just by hearing from you a little bit about who you are and the research and policy work that you do. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm currently in the process of getting my PhD in human development and family sciences uh, from the University of Connecticut. And uh, I'm also a registered dietitian. So I've worked with families and children on uh, a lot of nutrition-related issues. And something that 
I would see often when working in the field as a dietitian was just this detrimental effects of a weight-focused approach to health. And so I decided to come back to school and study issues related to weight stigma, um, particularly in the context of families. And so right now, um, I work with my advisor, Dr. Rebecca Poole, um, at the Yukon Red Center. Um, and so we do a lot of work looking at weight stigma and other topics such as communication between parents and kids. Mm-hmm. We love that you're so focused on, I guess I'll say for myself, um, what we feel like this podcast is really focused on, you know, health <laughs> yeah. at every size for the whole family. And I, I read in your bio and, and just in what you were saying that you're really focused on health at every size. And so we're really excited to talk to you about your recent study, The Role of Weight Stigma in Parental Weight Talk, which was published this past spring. And then we just want to hear first, I guess, what you mean by parental weight talk. What does it sound like? What kind of conversations fall under that category? How common is it? Sure, yeah. So parental weight talk is really a general term. And it can be described, um, used to describe a lot of different kind of weight-related communication that parents have with their children. So an example would be that like, if a parent told their child to go on a diet, um, then that would be considered weight talk. But oftentimes, these conversations or comments might not be so direct or obvious. Uh, for instance... If a child doesn't want to eat their vegetables and the parent says something like, oh, well, if you eat more vegetables, you, you know, you'll lose weight. Or if, oh, if you, you want to, you know, lose weight, you should go for a run. And so it's really just the idea of tying in weight to these, these health messages and making comments to the kid about their weight. And the tricky thing is that parents are likely talking to their kids about weight out of concern for their health, but this can backfire and end up damaging kids' health because then they have this negative view of health behaviors and their bodies. So there's, there's a lot of issues that can come about from that. And then in addition to just more direct forms of weight talk, parents also engage in weight talk when they make comments about their own body weight in front of their kids, or even just commenting about the body weight of other people in front of their kids. So for example, if a mom says something like, oh, I I need to lose more weight before I can go shopping for that bathing suit, you know, or, or if a parent is you know, saying, oh, wow, look, your, your uncle really put on a lot of weight. Those comments that might not even be directed to the child, but that the child is getting and hearing their parents talk about, that can all be considered parental weight talk. You know, in listening, I think that first one about talking directly with a child about weight, I think that happens, but I, I definitely think what's more common, at least in my observations, is this more conversation about body shape and size and weight 
not with the child, but around the child. And I've just noticed that even as a parent myself um, and with, with other parents that it's, it happens all the time. So I think sometimes when we, when we hear these, well, you know, parental weight talk, that's just me telling my kid to lose weight and I don't do that. And so I'm completely, my kid is completely immune to weight stigma. I think we want to just make sure that we're we're talking about the more common ways or that, that parents listening are understanding that they're, it come, it kind of sneaks in. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it does, it does seem to be pretty common, um, whether it's the direct comments or the indirect comments, you know, some research has estimated, you know, about a third to a quarter of parents um, saying that they do these things. And that's just the parents who admit it. So some parents might not even be aware that they're doing this. So you're exactly right. It can, it can really sneak into those conversations quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm curious, were you trying to fill a research gap when you embarked on this study? Did you notice that there was an absence of data around this topic? Yeah, well, the thing is, is that there's actually quite a bit of data looking at this issue more broadly. So we do know more about the prevalence and consequences. So generally speaking, we know that it's an issue. But what we didn't, what we still don't know much about is why some parents are doing this more than other parents. So the research does show some kind of more obvious reasons. So for example, it's more common among parents who have kids who are larger. So, you know, okay, so maybe that's what's motivating them. But we still see it among parents and kids of all shapes and sizes. So that's another thing to to keep in mind. It's not just, oh, you know, we all have quote-unquote, normal weights, so we're not talking about those things. It can happen in, in any kind of situation. So we're really curious about what kinds of experiences parents may have had or beliefs that they have about body weight and whether this has anything to do with motivating them to or making it more likely that they'll talk, engage in weight talk, or whether there'll be certain things that prevent them from wanting to to do this. So that's kind of the gap we were trying to fill. Okay, so this study looked at both experienced weight stigma and weight bias internalization in parents, right? Correct. And can you talk us through the difference of those two things and what the research showed about the consequences of both? Sure. So Sometimes it is a little confusing, these, these two terms. So, but really the main difference is that when you think of experienced weight stigma, we're referring to the way that other people may have treated you. Whereas when we're talking about internalized weight stigma or bias, we're referring to the way that you might treat yourself. Uh, so for example, You can experience weight stigma from others if they treat you unfairly because of your body weight. Um, So maybe they make certain judgments about you or they exclude you or not kind to you because of your body weight. 
But if you have internalized weight stigma, then you might start to think, I deserve to be treated unfairly. You think that you, you start to apply it inwardly to yourself. And oftentimes these two things go hand in hand. So if you were stigmatized by others, then yeah, it makes sense that you might start to believe these things about yourself and internalize them and apply them to yourself. And the research does show that these experiences, both experienced and internalized stigma, are related to a variety of different physical and mental health issues. So some examples are maladaptive eating behaviors, decreased physical activity, depression, low self-esteem, body dissatisfaction. So a lot of things like that are related um, to both of these issues. But the thing is, is that not everyone who experiences the stigma internalizes it. So there is some research kind of pointing to that both are bad, but when you really internalize that stigma, it, there seems to be more negative ramifications than if you've experienced stigma, but you haven't internalized it. So that's why we wanted to kind of look at both in our study. And what did your study find? Can you just talk us through some of the results? Sure. So, so we had a sample of parents and they reported on themselves and they reported about their kids. So I should clarify. So we looked at their uh, weight talk and what we measured was we looked at weight talk in a few different ways. We looked at their kind of direct comments. So whether they have a conversation with their child about their child's body weight and things like that. And then we also looked at whether the parents would make comments about their own body weight in front of the kids or whether they'd make comments about other people's body weight in front of their kids. And then in terms of experience stigma, we asked them, you know, whether they had been teased or treated unfairly because of their body weight. And then we measured, we have assessment to measure that internalized weight stigma. And so what we found was that the parents who reported having these stigmatizing experiences, they had higher levels of the internalized weight stigma. So that, that's kind of what we'd expect. That's generally what we see. But the really interesting thing was that then this was related to engaging in more weight talk. So the parents who had these kind of negative experiences and then internalize these things, start to believe these things about themselves, they were talking to their kids about body weight more. And that was true whether it was the direct comments, like encouraging them to diet, as well as making comments about their own weight and the weights of others. I just wanted to note, like as you were saying that, that is a perfect depiction of the intergenerational kind of body shame, mm -hmm. like how it unbeknownst to well-meaning parents, it sounds like what you're saying is that we are actually very vulnerable around passing on 
the very thing that we experience negatively to our children, even if it's coming from a good place or the right place. Um, yeah, it's kind of that the oppressed becomes a, an oppressor in this scenario, right? Someone who's experienced weight stigma becomes the stigmatizing force or has a stigmatizing force in their family environment. Right. So it kind of can perpetuate. Yes. And it's not to say that the parents are necessarily stigmatizing their children if they make some of these comments about weight, but it is indicative of the parents potentially having certain beliefs about weight and maybe certain fears. So that might make them worry more about their kid's weight. Um, so it might just change their their motivation. And as, a, as we talked about, it's, it's likely they're trying to be helpful, but as we know that that can backfire. What is the impact of parental weight talk on kids? Well, there's been um, quite a bit of really good research looking at this. And uh, generally we see that when their parents have like talked to them a lot about weight, or made those comments about themselves or others, we do see higher rates of body dissatisfaction, binge eating, kids engaging in unhealthy and like extreme weight control behaviors. So skipping meals, vomiting, things like that. And then other more psychological um, issues of like low self-worth, depressive symptoms, Um, So there's a lot of potential ramifications of kind of reinforcing these ideas about body weight. Mm. One of the things I found really interesting about this study is that you found that fathers engaged in more child-centered weight conversations than mothers. And we were actually wondering if you had any theories about why. Yeah, so... In our study, the, we did find that the fathers reported that they engaged in more of these conversations. That is somewhat different from what some other research shows, that mothers are, are more likely to, to report um, engaging in those conversations. And even though it's not something we looked at directly, it could be, it could be a variety of reasons. One thing we know about... Uh, we talk between mothers and fathers is that it comes across differently. So mothers are more likely to engage in weight talk that focuses more on health um, and maybe so more around things like food and, and physical activity, whereas fathers are more likely to make comments about the child's body, you know, maybe like more in a friendly, teasing kind of way. Um, and joking kind of way, making comments, and even potentially making comments about their own body in maybe like a joking way. So one theory could be just the way that parents view weight talk um, is that fathers might be more likely to think of it as like an innocent kind of, so they think innocent type of teasing, whereas mothers might be more focused on on health, and they might not think of it so much as as talking about weight. So it's hard to know whether 
the parents are interpreting, how they're interpreting um, the questions and whether they're thinking of it differently, whether fathers really are doing this more often or whether they're just more willing to admit it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it could be that mothers might be more aware of the kind of ramifications and maybe they're, they're sensitive to it. So maybe they're not doing it as much or maybe they're more cautious about reporting it on a survey. So we, we see a lot of potential, there's a lot of potential differences. We also know that mothers engage and we talk more with their daughters and fathers more with their sons. So there could be other things at play based on the sample explaining, you know, why the, the parents felt differently about that. And why just from you, from you doing the research, what are your thoughts really about kind of your conclusions around this? Why might parents who have internalized weight bias have more conversations about weight with their children? And yeah, let's start with that. Even though this is kind of the first study to look at this issue, so it's still very preliminary. And, and there is a, um, some actual qualitative research that looked at this a little bit. And the idea is that okay, if, if you're a parent and you internalize these beliefs, um, you might be really particularly concerned about your child maybe being teased. So maybe if you were teased in the past and you start to internalize, then if your child, maybe your child isn't even gaining that much weight, but maybe you're just afraid that they will gain weight and you want to prevent them from being teased. You're trying to protect them. And so you might inadvertently promote certain certain behaviors or encourage certain activities in order to manage weight so that they could avoid potential teasing. And how, how do you recommend that that parents address those concerns without stigmatizing their kids? You know, if, if a parent is concerned about their child's body weight, then I think that there are definitely things that they could do. A lot of just good practice would be other things like healthy role modeling, trying to still, you could still encourage healthy behaviors but the, the real key piece is to not make it about weight. It's just about having fun or in feeling good. So, you know, engaging in physical activity as a family and kind of making it a, a whole family approach. If you think that the child needs some health uh, interventions, then you can kind of get get the child involved in, in those things. Find activities that are fun. Um, get them involved with cooking and 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 figuring out foods that they like and and making it really positive and and just not making it about weight um, would really be the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. It also sounds like from what you're finding that even before a parent does that one thing they can do is to become aware of their own internalized weight bias. I think that is sometimes hard for people to do even that step. But if you could know that this is happening, right, just becoming aware is so important, right? Then from there, maybe you can do some of what 
you're suggesting, but that awareness, and I think we talked about it last season on the show. We, we did speak with Dr. Poole and we just, we did just speak a little bit about weight stigma and mm-hmm. that just increasing awareness around where our weight stigma lives in us. And I guess one question that comes to mind is if a parent is listening and is saying, oh, maybe I do have kind of high levels of weight stigma, how could a parent self-assess whether or not they are, you know, they do have weight bias internalization? Like, can you recommend any ways that they could sort of self-assess? You know, that's a good question. It's in my more, what would, what comes to mind is they could definitely, like you said, being aware and reflect on what they, they think about other people's body weight. First of all, sometimes it's just helpful to, to like reflect on how they view other people in weight and what kind of uh, stereotypes or assumptions they might be making. And they can reflect too on when they do have thoughts uh, about their own body, how do they even feel about their own body? How do they feel if they've gained some weight? How do they feel if they lose weight? Is it really a very highly salient part of their identity? Um, So some of those things could maybe help kind of shed light onto how much value they place on these things and and really then starting to uh, challenge some of those beliefs and reframing those beliefs to know that that your weight doesn't define your worth as a person and your value and, and kind of start to make those shifts from, from that place. But, you know, that is the next frontier um, (laughs) research of really trying to understand how can we help people uh, reduce these levels of internalized weight bias, because it's, it's very complicated and likely a whole lifetime has gone into ingraining these beliefs. But just as you said, you know, starting with awareness um, that this is even a thing and then trying to notice what beliefs you have about your own, your own body weight and how that might be influencing how you view your kids and the things you say to your kids. Yeah. And one of the things that we try to really work on in our kind of fundamental body positive parenting primer and, and our our ABC guide is to really identify that this exists, weight stigma exists, and weight stigma bias internalization exists, and it's really problematic. You know, it's really, it's very harmful. So it's one thing to just notice that it's there, but it's another thing to know that it's quite toxic, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's a problem. It's there, and it's a problem, and we've, we want to start endeavoring to reduce it and the individuals in our lives and ourselves and ultimately kind of the environment, the larger environment. Right, right. And that's where I think some of the health at every size principles are really, really helpful when people can start to learn how to be at peace with their bodies and accept certain things about their bodies and, and, you know, find movement and eating that's enjoyable and makes them feel good. 
and shifting the focus away from weight and more toward health and happiness and, and overall well-being, I think could be an effective strategy at combating that uh, internalized weight bias. Yeah. So Ellen, we uh, want to just ask you one final question, uh, which is if, if each parent listening to this podcast took away and did just one thing on the regular, what's the one thing you would recommend they do to help their children fully bloom? Well, I think it goes back to that idea of uh, being aware and mindful. So both of the things that we're saying, not just to our kids, but the things we're saying about ourselves and about others, and being aware of, of the language that we're using when we're, th- when we're describing people in weight. And then, as we said, that really shedding light onto how we really feel about body weight and other people's body weight and what kind of deep-seated beliefs do we have um, about ourselves and gradually try to bring awareness to that part of ourselves so we can understand it and, you know, work to grow um, and advance from that and, you know, really be positive role models for our kids. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us, kind of breaking down your research, and also thank you for doing your research um, (laughs) and being that side of our equation because we really need the information and parents need the information, you know, to make more informed parenting decisions. It's so great to be able to talk with you all and for all of your resources that you you offer, I think uh, is really kind of helping chip away at, at some of these issues. So it's really important. So that's our show. We would really love to hear any reactions or questions that came up for you during this episode. So please send us an email at info at fullbloomproject.com. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would really appreciate you leaving us a rating or review on iTunes so more people can find the podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our podcast by visiting fullbloomproject/patreon that's p a t r e o n so that we can keep producing and delivering this content to you. Thank you all for listening and remember to tune back in next time for more body positive parenting wisdom. Mm-hmm.